feet and the light to our path through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. The first reading today, our Old Testament reading, comes from the book of Leviticus, chapter 19, verses 1 through 2, and also verses 9 through 18. And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to all the congregation of the people of Israel, and say to them, You shall be holy, for I, the Lord your God, am holy. When you reap the harvest of your land, you shall not reap your field right up to its edge, neither shall you gather the gleanings after your harvest. And you shall not strip your vineyard bare, Neither shall you gather the fallen grapes of your vineyard. You shall leave them for the poor and for the sojourner. I am the Lord your God. You shall not steal. You shall not falsely deal falsely. You shall not lie to one another. You shall not swear by my name falsely. And so profane the name of your God. I am the Lord. You shall not oppress your neighbor or rob him. The wages of the hired worker shall not remain with you all night until the morning. You shall not curse the deaf or put a stumbling block before the blind, but you shall fear your God. I am the Lord. You shall do no injustice in court. You shall not be partial to the poor or defer to the great, but in righteousness shall you judge your neighbor. You shall not go around as a slanderer among your people, and you shall not stand up against the life of your neighbor. I am the Lord. You shall not hate your brother in your heart, but you shall reason frankly with your neighbor, lest you incur sin because of him. You shall not take vengeance or bear a grudge against the sons of your own people, but you shall love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. In our gospel reading this morning, we continue in the Sermon on the Mount, in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 5, verses 38 through 48. You have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye, and a tooth for a tooth. But I say to you, do not resist the one who is evil. But if anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. And if anyone would sue you and take your tunic, let him have your cloak as well. And if anyone forces you to go one mile, go with him two miles. Give to the one who begs from you, and do not refuse the one who would borrow from you. You have heard that it was said, You shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, so that you may be sons of your Father who is in heaven. For he makes his sun rise on the evil and on the good, and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. For if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Do not even the tax collectors do the same? And if you greet only your brothers, what more are you doing than others? 
Do not even the Gentiles do the same? You therefore must be perfect, as your heavenly Father is perfect. This is the word of God for the people of God. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of each of our hearts be pleasing and acceptable to you, O God, our rock and our redeemer. Only once a year does the Old Testament book of Leviticus come up in the lectionary readings. And it's not because it's an unimportant book of the Bible. In fact, it's a deeply theological book when you really get to know it. And it's because Leviticus is a difficult book of the Bible. It's full of rules about everything from parenting to sacrifices to acceptable clothing, fabrics, and mildew. Yes, mildew. It is in the Bible. In fact, Leviticus 13 tells us, if clothing, woolen or linen clothing, woven or knitted cloth, etc., is infected with a patch of serious fungus, which many translations specify as mildew, and if the spot in the clothing or the leather or the woven or the knitted, etc., is green or rusty, that is a sign of serious fungus. This goes on for quite some time in Leviticus 13. Uh, and goes on to say that if you find this in your garment, then you have to show it to the priest. The priest will examine the spot and confiscate the material for seven days. It goes on a little further with some more detail about the sorts of fungus and mildew that you might find in different types of clothing, and ends with, these are the instructions regarding a spot of serious fungus for pronouncing them clean or unclean. Have you ever accidentally left a load of laundry in the washing machine too long before moving it to the dryer? I see almost every single head nodding. I'm really glad I'm not alone. Did you check out this passage of Leviticus before just hitting the button to run the machine again? Did you call a priest if the mildew had already started? Have you ever found old, soggy, mildew-covered rags in the garage or the basement? Did you try cleansing them according to the holy ritual in Leviticus? Did you burn them? The Levitical code about mildew was super important to the health and well-being of desert-dwelling nomadic people thousands of years ago. In 2017, we have very different ways of dealing with mildew other than burning it or calling in a priest that will avoid the spread of mildew to every aspect of our homes. So please do not call me the next time you have a slightly smelly load of neglected socks in your washer. Just hit that start button again, and it'll be fine. There is a book called A Year of Biblical Womanhood. If you have not read it, I highly recommend this book. In this book, the author, Rachel Held Evans, attempts to spend a year living according to every rule laid out in the Bible for women including ones about sitting on the roof, covering her head, and calling her husband master. Unsurprisingly, many of these regulations she tries to follow are found to be completely unworkable in today's environment. Husbands, please don't ask your wives to start calling you master. I promise it will not go well. But in the conclusion of the book, Rachel discovers that It is not that we should take that information and rule out the importance or the authority of the Bible 
or of the Levitical code. It is not that the books of the law, like Leviticus, are irrelevant. It is that in giving us Leviticus, God does not mean to give us a list of unbreakable and timeless rules. It's not a rule book. It is a theology book. In Leviticus, God is trying to teach the people how to be with God and with one another and to live healthy, peaceful lives in ways that reflect God's love. God's people are different, says Leviticus. God's people stand out from the rest of the world. God's people are set aside for a different way of living and of being and of interacting. God's people reflect God because God's people are holy. That is why today's passage is one of the few from Leviticus that makes it into our yearly scripture readings in the common lectionary. You can really see the core of what God is communicating to the people in giving them the law. The rules are not the point. The relationships are. Take care of the poor and homeless, those who are displaced and without a land. Don't steal from other people or deceive them. Treat them with full respect and honor. Don't take God's name lightly. Pay people rightly and on time for the work that they have done. Don't take advantage of or tease those who have disabilities. Love your neighbor as much as you love you and your own. That is what holiness is. Holiness is not one person managing to follow all of the rules perfectly. Holiness is not just for monks and saints. Holiness is being a full part of a community of people who take relationships with God and others, all others, very, very seriously. Even when Jesus seems to go against the law, when he counters the idea of an eye for an eye with do not resist evil, he is not negating the law. He is fulfilling it. He is taking it a step Further, The eye-for-an-eye law was not given as some sort of way to make sure bad guys were punished enough. It was given to make sure they weren't punished too much. It was given so that when one person lost an eye, they did not retaliate by killing the offender. Jesus isn't saying, not that rule after all, cross it off. He's saying, go a step further from that law. Take care of one another even more than you see there. It's not so much about proportionate punishment as it is about disproportionate grace. And this is not easy. Nobody ever claimed It's easy to love those who don't love you and to accept those who are different from you. It's never easy to share generously your hard-earned resources with people who may never know what a sacrifice it was for you or who may never even say thank you. And it's especially not easy to share things we like with people we don't like. It's not even easy to share things we like with people we do like. And you guys, I screw this up all the time, in big ways and in little ones. Tim and I were on a date last night. 
We went rock climbing with some friends from my gym, and then we went out to dinner. And I love sweet potato fries with all of my soul. And so at dinner, it's probably unholy how much I love sweet potato fries, and at dinner I ordered a mountain. I am not exaggerating. This was a ton of fries. I was definitely hungry. I had gone out on a long training run earlier in the afternoon, and we had just spent two hours on the rock wall. So you can imagine my delight when the enormous plate of fries showed up on the table. And my dilemma when my sweet husband, the most wonderful, loving, supporting spouse in the whole of God's creation, reached over and said, I think we should just slide that plate to the middle of the table. <laughs> All I'm going to say is I did not give him my chicken as well when he asked for my fries. <laughs> now, if it's so hard to share something as completely unimportant in the grand scheme of things as sweet potato fries with someone as completely as important as a loving spouse, well, shoot. Good luck giving your coat to a cold stranger on the street. One of the commentaries I read this week said, some of us are so stubborn we would rather be right than be in relationship with others. Ouch. The love and the generosity and the depth of relationship and compassion that Leviticus calls us to go against human instinct and the way the world around us operates. And then Jesus says, and then more. It can be hard to believe that we, as God's people, can be holy. We even use the word holy with a negative connotation sometimes calling someone who seems to be a goody-two-shoes holier than thou. And we, the whole congregation, not just the diligent ones, are called to be holy. This mandate is not given to individuals. It is given to a community. This exhortation to take care of people, not just generously, but sacrificially, is a hard pill to swallow. It's hard as individuals when we're trying to care for our own families and futures. It's hard as a community when we're trying to keep the lights on and the pastor in the pulpit. Our inclination is often to say, what about our rights? Or what about taking care of ourselves? But Jesus doesn't command us to just be a bunch of wimps. We're not supposed to be a collection of pushovers and yes-men. When someone does something rotten to you, like a Roman soldier forcing a Judean to walk a mile, and walking even further, you have just taken all the power from their hate. You haven't given in to them. You have given love a stronghold over hate. And Jesus doesn't call us to be perfect in the sense of the word that we usually mean. We are going to mess this up. God knows that. God knew a long time ago I would struggle after a long day to share my dinner with my spouse. Jesus calls us to be perfect in that we reflect our Heavenly Father. It is because of God's great love for us, even when we were mortal enemies of God, ignoring God's ways and getting in the way of God's work, God still loved us. 
in giving generously, in loving those who are unlovable, in going the extra mile, we tell the world around us how much God cares. Holy means set apart. God's people are supposed to look different. They are meant to be the sort of people you take one look at and say there is something so special and so different about how they operate. And all of God's people, each and every one of you I am looking out on this morning, are capable of being that sort of holy witness to God's love in the world. So our charge then, as a church community seeking renewal and the movement of the Holy Spirit, is to find the ways that we can love the people around us in astounding and sometimes ridiculous ways. It is to find the vulnerable and the lost and the hurting in our community and invite them in to our table. It is to give more, both as individuals and a community, of our time and of our resources, more than seems normal to the people around us. It is to seek relationships and love over rules and judgment. So let us together, friends, be holy because the Lord our God is holy. May the blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever. Amen.